Welcome to the Cross Church Podcast. Originally presented on September 15th, 2019, Pastor Allen shares part two of This Is My Story. This week, we're looking at the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter eight. Enjoy. Called This Is My Story. And you understand this morning that if you are a Christian, if you put your faith in Christ, you know that, that being a Christian means that you are somebody who shares your faith with other people. We understand that. That's what it means to be a Christian. If you go through the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and even the book of Acts, you're going to find what we call a Great Commission passage of Scripture. In other words, you're going to find a, a passage where Jesus tells his disciples clearly that our job, their job, is to tell people about Jesus. Now, this is not a new idea for the Jewish people. The Jewish people understand and have always understood that they were to be a light to the Gentiles. In 2017, Benjamin Netanyahu addressed the United Nations Assembly, and uh, he concluded his message by saying that Israel is a light unto the nations, bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, for some people, that was like, what? Where does that come from? And Israel, what makes you say that about yourself? Well, the fact is, is that this is what God revealed to his people throughout the scriptures. In fact, Isaiah 60, verse 3 says, all nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. God's people tell others and reveal to others, show others who he is. In fact, when Jesus was preaching his sermon, we call it the uh, Sermon on the Mount, one of the very first things that he says in that sermon is that we are the light of the world. Now, I just want to remind everybody of something, because when we read the Sermon on the Mount, we assume that Jesus is speaking to Christians, But in fact, the listeners, those who are hearing that first sermon on the mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, these people were not converted. They were not Christians yet. They were Jewish people for the most part. And so when Jesus says this to them, this is not new. Jesus says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus is reminding the Jewish people of their very unique and special calling in the world. No other nation in the world was given this responsibility. Their job as Jewish people was to be a light to the Gentiles Sadly, at the time that Jesus preached this message, the Jewish people thought of Gentiles as the scum of the earth, as unredeemable, as people who were not worthy of God. And if you're not Jewish today, then that would be you, the scum of the earth. But Jesus comes along and proclaims a message to these people that was absolutely mind-blowing. You are the light of the world. Now, can I remind everybody of something? 
If you call yourself a child of God, if you say today, I am numbered amongst God's people, then you need to understand that your job, your responsibility as a Christian or as, as a son or a daughter of God, your job is to be light in this dark world. Your job is to bring hope to a hopeless world. In fact, in verse 15, Jesus says, nobody lights a lamp and then puts it under a bushel, under a basket, so nobody can see it. What would be the point? And that's precisely what you and I need to understand today. If Jesus Christ has saved you, you are to be his light. But the problem with so many of us is that we don't understand our responsibility. And like that light that is under a basket, nobody can really see who we are. Now, some of you are here today because you saw that light in somebody else. Somebody else's life was so bright and so brilliant and so wonderful, you thought to yourself, I got to find out what is it about that person? Where, where do they get their joy from? Where is their peace coming from? Ultimately, and this is really important to understand this, ultimately, we as Christians should be living our lives in such a way that we cause other people to praise our Father in heaven. So let me ask you that question today. Does your life cause other people to praise your Father in heaven? Does your life cause your children to praise your Father in heaven? Does your life cause your spouse to praise your Father in heaven, your boss, your workmate? You see, this is what it means to be a real Christian. We are people who radiate Jesus Christ to a, a world that is stuck, mired in darkness and in sin. So last week, we talked about the story of Simon the Sorcerer. And if you haven't read it yet, you can read it in the first half of Acts chapter 8. And we said that Simon the Sorcerer did not have saving faith. He had what you might call the faith of the demons, you say, well, what kind of faith could that possibly be? Well, James explains it to us like this. He says, even demons believe in God, and they tremble in great fear. Simon is, is baptized. He seems, to be, he seems to be saved. He seems to be converted. And he go, he's going to church. He's going to all the meetings. He doesn't miss out on any of the revival meetings. He doesn't want to miss anything that Philip is doing. And if you re remember, Philip was, he was preaching the gospel. He was doing miracles. People were getting saved and healed of all, all manner of diseases. And demons were being cast out of people. And Simon the sorcerer says, this is so cool. i got to have a piece of this. In fact, he even offered to buy the power from Peter and John. His faith was external. It hadn't penetrated his heart. It hadn't transformed his heart. And how do we know that it hadn't transformed his heart? Because he still loved money. He still loved power. He still loved fame and fortune. Now listen, how do we know that we are converted? How do we know that we are truly saved, we're transformed. We become a brand new person. We're not like we used to be. We're changed. As Leanne said in her, in her testimony, 
Her daughter's wondering, how is it now that we're getting along so well? How is it that we're such good friends now? Because Leanne changed. This is the power of the gospel. This is the power of believing and putting your faith in Christ. You become a brand new person who now is the light of the world. And you cause other people to praise and rejoice in your Father in heaven. Today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the life of the Ethiopian eunuch. This is the second half of chapter 8. Now, before I go any further, I want you to pay very close attention this morning to what I have to say about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want you to see how the Holy Spirit works through you to bring light to the world, how the Holy Spirit works through you to cause people to praise God. Pay attention to that. All right. First of all, what is an, a eunuch? A eunuch is a man who's been castrated. And in those times, that was common. Anybody who worked in the royal household, particularly guarding the king's harem, his wives, or, or a man who was a servant to a queen, uh, he would traditionally be castrated for obvious reasons. So this Ethiopian eunuch, he, he is employed by the queen of Ethiopia. And the Bible tells us that, uh, well, we don't really know his name. We, don't, we, we, know, we know what he is. We don't know a whole lot about him. But what we do know is that someone along the line, some Jewish person, it had to be somebody who was Jewish, did exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Some Jewish person, probably in Ethiopia, was, was a testimony and a light to this Ethiopian. Somebody, some Jewish person, shared his faith with this Ethiopian, and this Ethiopian understood, this makes sense, I want this. And he begins to study the Scripture. In fact, he is so excited about what he's reading in the Scripture that he actually takes a trip to Jerusalem from Ethiopia. Now, if you Google, uh, go on Google Maps, you'll discover that it it's about 4,000 kilometers from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. He is riding in a carriage, so he'll get there uh, in, in relatively good time. Um, but we're talking, we're still talking, uh, if, you, if you calculate it at 10 kilometers a day, we're talking about over a year's travel. Now, some scholars suggest that when it talks about Ethiopia, uh, it wasn't a, a specific country at that time. It, it happened to be Africa. Well, even still, he's still going to be traveling at least 1,600 kilometers. Now, just to give you uh, just some context for what 1,600 kilometers is, it's, it's driving from Winnipeg all the way to Banff. i got to tell you, that's a long journey, even when you're driving in your car going 110 or 15 kilometers an hour. That's a long journey, or 120 kilometers an hour. But going at 10 kilometers an hour by carriage, we're talking about months and months there and months and months back. What do we see about this Ethiopian? We see a man of tremendous hunger and thirst and longing to know God and to meet with God and to know who God is. This is amazing. Can I just remind everybody of something today? The Bible is very clear 
God makes it clear that anybody who seeks after God with a sincere heart will find him. Did you hear that? If you seek after God with a, with a sincere heart, you will find him. Amen. Amen. I'm glad that four people are listening. <laughs> and this is exactly what happens now. And this is the story of the Ethiopian eunuch and how he found God. So, Philip has just finished ministering in Samaria, and he's got a great work going. And I'm sure that if, if Philip... If Philip the Evangelist had some, uh, uh, some people around him that would give him good advice, they would probably suggest that Philip should stay where he is, start the, the Evangelist Philip Ministries, get the webpage going, start taking in offerings, and build up for himself a great big megachurch where he could make a name for himself. But he didn't do that. He's preaching, he's healing, he's casting demons out, he's baptizing people, people are getting saved. Peter and John, the great Peter and John have come for a visit there, and they are laying hands on people, and they're speaking in tongues, and great things are happening, and all of a sudden, Philip's gone. Where did Philip go? Well, here's what you need to see. An angel of the Lord appeared to Philip and said, I want you to go to Gaza. In fact, there's a road between Jerusalem and Gaza. I want you to go there. And if Philip was like me, he would say, what for? Why am I going there? What am I doing there? But he doesn't question God, doesn't question the angel. He goes exactly as he's told, prompted, watch that, prompted by the Holy Spirit. So there he is, he's walking along, he's in the wilderness, dry desert. If you've ever been to Israel, you know what the desert looks like? And there's nobody around. He's just on the road. And he's praying and saying, God, what am I doing here? Don't you know who I am? I'm a great evangelist. I heal people. I cast out demons. And here I am. Am I going to preach to the shrub, shrubs that grow in the desert? What am I doing here? And all of a sudden, he sees what looks like a carriage. And he keeps walking. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him again. It says, Philip, get up beside that carriage. And Philip gets up beside the carriage. He's walking along. And all of a sudden, he hears something that sounds very familiar to him. This, this Ethiopian who's riding in the carriage, this man of great authority, this, this employee of the queen of Ethiopia, is reading the book of Isaiah. And he's at the part in Isaiah 53 that speaks about none other than Jesus. You see the, you see the work of the Holy Spirit here. Hey, I want to just remind everybody of something today. When it comes to God and the work of the Spirit, there are no coincidences. I call it the choreography of the Holy Spirit. The way he orchestrates things. So everything happens exactly according to his plan. And Philip is walking along, and he's hearing this, this Ethiopian, this man who's not even Jewish, this man with black skin, reading his scripture. 
This is just blowing his mind. And he hears the eunuch reading, Isaiah 53, 7 to 8. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who could speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And of course, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that these two verses from Isaiah 53, speaking about Jesus, about the coming Savior. This Ethiopian is reading it, not entirely sure of what he's reading. And that's where Philip, again, prompted and led by the Holy Spirit, Philip asks, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I? Unless someone instructs me. And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and to sit with him. Now, again, I want you to see the, the work of the Holy Spirit in, what, in, in this transaction. The Holy Spirit has got Philip in the right place at the right time, doing the right things and asking the right questions. And the Holy Spirit has prompted the eunuch to be reading Isaiah 53. Now, Isaiah 53 is sometimes called the first gospel. The second gospel is Matthew, and, and the third is Mark, and so on and so forth. The very first gospel, looking not backward, but to the future, when Jesus would come. He's reading Isaiah 53. You see the work of the Holy Spirit? Before I go any further, I want to remind everybody today that your job and my job as Christians is to be used by the Holy Spirit in supernatural ways. The question is this, when's the last time you surrendered to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and did exactly what the Holy Spirit wanted you to do? Hey, listen, if you're missing out on this, then I can tell you that your Christianity has probably become quite boring and dull. In fact, you might have even lost your fire. It's not exciting for you anymore. We have a Christianity preached in North America that it says it's all about you, and you need to experience miracles. But the New Testament teaches something quite different. The New Testament teaches us that we are to be used to carry out God's miracles. You see how the, you see the difference? It's not about me now. It's about those who need Jesus. It's about God using me to minister to you. About God using you to minister to the people in your life, to your children, to your friends, the people you work with. And so here's Philip. <laughs> in the right place, at the right time, asking the right questions. Just blows my mind. Hey, this is why, this question here, how can I, this answer, how can I understand unless someone instructs me? This, my friends, is precisely why you and I need to understand our responsibility to be witnesses for Christ. 
Now, I'm not telling you you need to go out and get a Bible college degree or become a doctor in, in evangelism. You don't need to do that. All you need to do is say, this is my story. And then tell people what Jesus has done for you. That's what a witness is. A witness is someone who has experienced firsthand the details of Christ working in their life. I know for so many of you here, you've got amazing stories of how God has worked in your life. And you need to tell people what God has saved you from. This is why I appreciated so much what Leanne shared with us this morning. Again, you see the choreography of the Holy Spirit in the right church at the right time because she asked the right question to the right person, Felicia. Amazing. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, Philip explains to the eunuch what it means that Jesus was led like a sheep to the slaughter. If you're sitting here today and wondering what, in, what is that all about, well, it's referring to Jesus' death on the cross. And in case you're wondering, Jesus' death on the cross was, was atonement. In other words, Jesus is paying the price for your sin. Jesus, the perfect one, the perfect man, without sin, never sinned, he said, I'm going to give my life for all those who have sinned and have failed God. And anybody who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, who died for their sins, the Bible says, will be saved. And when you're saved, the Bible says all your sins are washed away. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees Jesus, his son. That's what it means to be a Christian. You put your faith in Christ, your sins are washed away, and now you're made fit for fellowship with God. By the way, that's why you were created. That's why you're on this earth. You were created for fellowship with God. And the only way that you're going to have fellowship with God is through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is what salvation is all about. And this is what the Ethiopian eunuch is reading. Philip, I'm sure Philip is thinking, if I tried to orchestrate this myself, I couldn't go anything near as good as what the Holy Spirit has done in setting this up for me. All Philip had to do was fill in the blanks. And it says in verse 37, as they rode along, or verse 36, as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. In verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Did you notice that it says when they came up out of the water? Hey, <laughs> Philip didn't just sprinkle this eunuch. 
There's none of this, none of this sprinkling with water. It was like down in the water, under the water, soaking wet, and up he comes. And Philip's job is done, and the Holy Spirit transports him, teleports him away from that spot to another place. Hey, before Gene Roddenberry came up with teleporting in Star Trek, the Holy Spirit was doing that thousands of years in advance. Just want you to know that. (laughs) That's the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. We see it a few other times. Now, I want you to see something before I go any further. Again, we're talking about the choreography of the Holy Spirit. Philip is preaching and teaching this eunuch. And when his preaching and teaching is done, then suddenly there appears a body of water. Now, in case you wonder whether or not baptism is important or not, it is. It's so important that the, that the Holy, Spirit, Holy Spirit choreographs it so that when the preaching and teaching is done, there's a body of water in the middle of the wilderness where there is no water. But the Holy Spirit choreographs it in such a way that the Ethiopian can be baptized on his way home. You need to see that. In case you haven't been baptized yet, it's important to God. So important that the Holy Spirit makes sure that the eunuch has the opportunity to be baptized. Wow. Amazing, amazing stuff. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, verse 40, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus, And he preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Philip couldn't help himself. Every chance that he got, any town that he could get to, anybody who's willing to listen, he was ready, willing, and able to tell them about the love of Christ. That, my friends, is what it means to be a Christian. Christians tell people about Jesus. Christians are willing to share their story. Now, I just want to quickly look for a moment. Let's, let's call it the anatomy of a salvation. How is it that the eunuch was saved? How is it that he came to Christ? The first thing we need to see is the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We need to see his work in this, in this salvation narrative. You need to see in verse 26, 26, the Spirit gets Philip into the right place at the right time. Verse 28, the eunuch is reading Isaiah 53, the first gospel. Again, the choreography of the Holy Spirit. Verse 29, the Holy Spirit prompts Philip to go over and walk alongside the carriage. That's a pretty presumptuous thing to do. Be like you getting on the bus. There's nobody on it. A person's sitting there all by themselves, and you decide, I'm going to go sit right beside them. <laughs> That's happened to me. It's very weird. <laughs> but it's even weirder when the Holy Spirit tells you to do it, and it's happened to me more than once. That's what happens. The prompting of the Holy Spirit. Hey, if you haven't been experiencing the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're missing out on so much. You're missing out on on the thrill and the excitement of being a Christian. 
Verse 30, the Holy Spirit prompts Philip to ask, do you know what you are reading? In verse 36, the Holy Spirit choreographs it so that water is available for the eunuch to be baptized. That is the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Way, way too many things happen here to call it a coincidence. This is supernatural. This is divine appointment. And I'm going to tell you, this is exactly what God wants to do in your life and through your life. I was in a conference last June, and at this conference was a missionary to the Middle East. In case you don't know where the Middle East is, it's, it's where Iraq and Iran and Israel and, and Saudi Arabia and the Emirates, etc. That's, that's, that's a very Muslim part of the world. In this man, he said, I'm called to be a missionary to Muslims. So I said, well, how does this work exactly? Because you can't have an... Look, you could not go to Iran and have an evangelistic rally. Billy Graham would not be welcome there. I mean, he's dead right now, but aside from that, he would not be welcome there. There's no way anybody's going to be having any kind of an evangelistic rally there. So I said, so how does this work? And then I said, before he answered that, I said, I've been hearing stories about people getting dreams. They get dreams, and and, and this is how, how it usually goes. A person will get a dream, and in the dream, it will be Jesus or an angel telling that person to go and speak to a pastor to discover who God is. And I said, is this is this true? Is this is this, does this really happen? He says, Alan, I'm going to tell you, it happens so often we can't even keep count of it anymore. It's happening all the time. But I want you to see something. In the dream, that person who receives that dream of Jesus speaking to them and telling them above, uh, about his love always tells that person who's dreaming to go and speak to a pastor or a well-known Christian. You need to go and speak to that person. In the dream, they're told who to go and speak to. Look at this. The eunuch says, how can I understand unless someone instructs me? God does not have a plan B. It's always plan A, and plan A is always God using you and me. That's the way it has always been. This is how people come to salvation. God uses Christians, God uses his people to instruct people, to tell people about him. It's important that you understand this because you think, well, the job will get done. Somebody else will do it. Or maybe you think, well, I'm not, I'm, I don't get a paycheck for witnessing to people. Pastor Allen should be doing that. He's getting paid to, to tell people about Jesus. Or we should hire an evangelist, let them do it. No, God wants you and me, wherever we are, to tell people about Christ. That's your job. That's my job. And the Holy Spirit is at work in us. Now, for a person to become a Christian, it takes three people. It takes the person that needs to become a Christian, and it takes the person and the work of the Holy Spirit to choreograph things, but it takes the Christian to actually say, here, my Lord, 
use me. Would you say that with me this morning? Here am I, Lord, use me. How'd that feel? Did you get goose flesh? <laughs> or are you just get nuts in your stomach? <laughs> Butterflies. Here am I, Lord, use me. Can you say it one more time? Here am I, Lord, use me. That's our job, to go and be witnesses. And this is exactly what Philip did. Philip said, God, I'm your man. This, Philip is having so much fun. This is just amazing. Yeah, there was some persecution going in there, and uh, people were getting killed because of that. But Philip was having, well, look it. There was nothing better. This was, this, he was willing to give his whole life for this. And so he said, Philip, Philip said to God, God, here am I. Use me to get the job done. So what does Philip do? And here's what you and I need to understand, is that you need to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God wants to prompt you to be used by him every day. And if it's not with your friends and your family and your neighbors, it's your own children or your own spouse. If God wants to use you, he will prompt you to do his will. And Philip always obeyed the Spirit's promptings. Philip looked for opportunities. His eyes and ears were open. And I'm going to tell you, this is something else you need to know. The people around you are searching, they're looking, and you need to be sensitive and aware of the opportunities that present themselves to you. People will say, well, where do you go to church? Don't, don't mutter something like, oh, just down the street. Hey, nice weather we're having here, isn't it? And that we're kind of, that's kind of what we want to do. We want to change the subject. We don't want to talk about, don't talk about politics, don't talk about Trump, don't talk about religion, don't talk about, what am I missing? Money, don't talk about money. Don't talk about Jesus. That's kind of a mentality we have, but not Philip. He's looking for the opportunity. And man, is he ever bold. What gave Peter or Philip his boldness? Well, first of all, the Holy Spirit dwelt within him. Hey, if you're a Christian today, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. And the Holy Spirit will prompt you and use you if you're willing to say, God, here am I, use me. Here's something else. Philip knows the scripture. So as he's listening to this eunuch reading Isaiah 53, he doesn't think to himself, oh, no, what am I going to do now? I'm not, I'm not an ordained minister. I can't talk about this. Nonsense. He knows the scripture, and he's prepared and willing to talk about what he knows. Hey, you know, when I was in Boys Brigade growing up, there was, uh, there was a number of verses that we had to learn. We had to memorize these verses. And at the time, I didn't fully understand it because I was only about eight years old. I understand it now. What they were doing is they were sharing with us what we call the Romans Road. The Romans Road, very simply, is, uh, is some verses from the book of Romans. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And so this is, this is what this is. It, and it's, it is... The way of salvation. It's how you become a Christian. It's, it's what salvation is about. So you got Romans 3.10. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. We fall short of God's holiness. Romans 5.8. God loves us and sent us a Savior. And it goes on. By the way, everybody in small groups is going to get one of these. You can keep it in your Bible. And if ever you are in a position where you can uh, tell somebody about Jesus, there it is right there. It's, it's, it's the gospel. Right out of the Bible, the verses are all there, and you can actually show somebody 
what it means to become a Christian. Well, this is Philip. He's, he's got that ability. He knows the Bible. And I'm going to tell you, it's important for you and I to know the Scripture. It's important for you and I to read the Bible. He, uh, Philip understood the plan of salvation. You know there's a lot of people that go to church year after year, and they have no idea what salvation is, they have no idea what God's plan of salvation is. Do you? Let me just remind you. You're a sinner. Thank you, Pastor. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. I need salvation. I need to be saved. I need to, I need to have the slate clean. I need my sins washed away. How is that going to happen? How can I be free of my sin, my shame, and my guilt? By putting my faith in Christ. And when I put my faith in Christ, the Bible says it's simple. You confess your sins. You ask him to forgive you. And he's faithful, and he's just to forgive you and to cleanse you, to wash away all of your sin and filthiness. And after you've done that, what happens? You become part of the family of God. And when you die, you have this promise, and you're going to heaven. That's the plan of salvation. Can you tell somebody the plan of salvation? It's that simple. Read the Romans Road. Get a hold of this little card at your small group. And if you're not in a small group, maybe uh, ask Janet. She'll get you one. Finally, and I'll close with this, is the response of the eunuch. So we got the work of the Holy Spirit prompting, choreographing, organizing, getting things in the right place at the right time, reading the right scriptures, having Philip standing beside him at the right place. And then you got Philip, who's obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit. He's doing exactly what the Holy Spirit prompts him to do. He's moving and acting in accordance with the Spirit's guidance. He's prepared. He knows the plan of salvation. He knows the scripture. He's ready to do what God wants him to do. And then you got the person who's seeking and looking for God. What, is, what does this eunuch do? Well, first of all, he's, his heart's open. He's hungry for the truth. He wants to know who God is. And that's why he's willing to travel at least 1,600 kilometers or more. He wants to know the truth. He's willing to go to the ends of the world to hear the truth that will set him free. What is this life about? What is my purpose on this planet? Because he's hungry and thirsty, God shows up and reveals himself to the searcher, the seeker. Wow. And what happens next? He picks up the Bible and he starts to read. Just like Leanne in the video, she's told by, by, by the Holy Spirit, read your Bible, read your Bible. Do you know Augustine, one of the great church fathers? That's exactly how he became a Christian. It's, he tells a story in his autobiography of how he is in his garden. He's weeping. He's crying. He can't control himself. Tears are streaming down. his. He's sobbing and crying out to God, God, I can't stand my sin, my guilt, my shame. i got to be free of this. And suddenly he hears a voice say, take up and read. Take up and read, exactly like Leanne, how Leanne described it. And so Augustine picked up his Bible, he began to read, and the Spirit of God began to show him the truth. And it was shortly after that that he was converted. What happens after that? Well, true faith, true faith led him to say to Philip, hey, there's some water, I want to be baptized. He's ready and willing to confess Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. In fact, in verse 37... The eunuch says to Philip, 
can I be baptized? You can be baptized, Phil answered, if you believe with all your heart. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord, as God. And right after that, you know the story. He was baptized. He put his faith in Christ. His sins are washed away. It was an act of faith. And then we read, I love this, he's content. The eunuch never saw Philip again, but went on his way, what? Rejoicing. He finally had peace. He finally was content. He finally knew joy in his life. All the, all the trappings of royalty, the fame, the fortune. I mean, nobody had a carriage. But there he is riding along this carriage, a high official in the court of the queen of Ethiopia. None of this satisfied him. But when he accepted Christ, when his sins were washed away, he was finally able to rejoice. I'm going to tell you that right now. As soon as you put your faith in Christ, then you will have a peace that the world cannot give and the world cannot take away. And you will have joy in your heart unlike anything you've ever experienced before. All you have to do is believe and say, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. And then you need to talk to me and we'll get you baptized. In fact, there's, we have a list of people waiting right now to be baptized. Not right this minute, <laughs> but they're getting ready. I'd be thrilled if you would let me know. Pastor Allen, I put my faith in Christ. I want to be baptized. Let me just end the story with this by telling you a little bit about the Ethiopian eunuch. He went back to his homeland. We don't hear anything more about him in the Bible, but the church fathers, particularly Irenaeus, one of the early, early church fathers, here's what he has to say. He said that when the Ethiopian returned to his, to his country, he became a missionary. He was so full of joy at how his heart had been cleansed. He was so full of joy that he had to tell others about Christ. And he began to evangelize that country. And you know, I'm going to tell you something really cool. Ethiopia was the first country to adopt Christianity as their country's religion. And that happened in 330 A.D., 330 A.D., so that today Ethiopia is 60% Christian. Isn't that amazing? Yes. And all it took was Philip to say, yes, Lord, here am I. Use me. And someday when Philip stands before the Lord, surrounding him will be multitudes and multitudes of Ethiopians who came to Christ because Philip was faithful. When you stand before Christ someday, who's going to be standing behind you because you're faithful and sharing the message? Would you stand with me, please? Father, thank you for this thrilling story of a man who was truly saved. He had saving faith. He put his faith in you, Lord. He confessed that Jesus Christ is 
the Son of God. His heart was transformed, and we know his heart was transformed because he went away rejoicing. Father, we pray today, if there's anybody here who has not yet put his or her faith in Christ, may this be the day, and may you prompt that person to come to us and ask to be baptized. For those of us who've been Christians for years, we've lost our fire. God, we want to get that fire back. And the way we're going to have that fire raging in our heart again, a love for Christ and a love for being a Christian, is by getting busy doing the things that you called us to do. And that is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with a broken and hurting world. So we commit ourselves to you now, Lord, thanking you that you want to use us Thanking you, Lord, you want to save us and wash our sins away. So we commit ourselves to you in Christ's name. And everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, go tell someone about Jesus.